Hi everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before we get into the stories, I wanted to provide a trigger warning for story number two, for sexual assault. I'll have timestamps and a pinned comment if you want to skip that one. As always, if you have your own story, be sure to send it at southerncannibal.com. And without further ado, let's get into the stories. And remember, to always stay hungry. This is not my story, but the story of a teacher that I had while back in college. I'll call him Zeke. I still see him around to this day, and he always tells the story right around Halloween. He's an older guy, really cool with everybody in class getting to say their part, and generally was always supportive. The story starts in Ohio, where he grew up before moving to California. He hadn't always had a super clear understanding of where he was going, and back in his younger years, liked to try and experience as much as he could of the world. He'd grown up with a strict and permission-based upbringing that he very much disliked, and so as soon as he was able, he left that crowded and controlling home. Zeke had found himself growing transient, moving from place to place, trying to find what worked for him. After high school, he was just not decided yet. He hadn't even thought about being a teacher at all, probably the furthest thing from his mind at that point. There wasn't much to do in Ohio, as far as he was concerned, but he was bent on finding his way somehow. So he found himself at a point, after a particularly stressful breakup with a girl he'd been going out with for a while, where he decided he was going to experiment a bit after that. The breakup had really been a mess, and Zeke was at a point where he wanted to try something new. So he moved to a new area, and he started experimenting a bit with his sexuality. He had always dated women before that, so adjusting to men was a bit of a jump. But as he showed us through pictures, Zeke wasn't always an older guy. In the old pictures, he was a smooth, well-built guy, once upon a time before age and the stresses of teaching caught up with them. So he was a pretty popular guy, and generally had a good time with it. The experience in Ohio around that area that he ended up in involved secrecy, trying to keep it from getting out. People were really private. It was a different time, one that led into the subject of this story. So one time, on a trip to a bar, Zeke had no idea when he started chatting with a guy just how close he came to ending up dead and in the worst possible way. So he walked in and he went to get some drinks. He was greeted by the sight of a young guy his age or slightly younger. They started chatting and they hit it off pretty much immediately. Zeke, no lightweight mind you, was really impressed by how tall, muscular, and well-formed this guy was. He was a bit scruffy and had thick blonde hair. They talked about fitness, about the scene in Ohio, about everything. The blonde guy seemed to really into Zeke, really into him. You've got to come back to my place when we're done, man, he said. 
and he was really, really insistent about that. It was either to try some vintage drinks the guy had, or to see his weights, or to just have a good time. Zeke was used to some urgent lovers, but this guy laid it on thick. Zeke was used to some element of that, and he'd been considering it, going home with the guy. I mean, he was kind of weird, but charming in his own way. After a while of drinking, Zeke had to get up to use the restroom when he said, I gotta go, and the guy just about flipped his lid. Guy just fell over himself trying to grab Zeke's arm and immediately shouted, Don't go! Don't go, man! Don't go! I don't... I mean, we haven't even... Hey, man, I'm just going to the bathroom, Zeke responded. He just found the clinginess kind of weird with just how out of nowhere it was. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I am, I swear. The guy said. Zeke went to the bathroom, leaving the guy mumbling. But as he went, Zeke got the ugly feeling that something wasn't right. The guy just stared right into Zeke's back, watching him walk every single step into the bathroom. He went about his business in the bathroom, and as soon as he was out, he could just feel the guy's eyes on him. True to form, Big Blonde had gotten up and was poised to look directly at the bathroom door. Zeke was thoroughly spooked at that point, just walking out and immediately seeing him out of the crowd, just standing there, making sure Zeke went nowhere but the bathroom. Man, what the hell are you doing? Zeke asked. I had to make sure, the guy said. The guy was desperate and acting in a way that Zeke found really off-putting. Who gets up and watches the bathroom door just to make sure someone actually comes back out? Zeke took a rain check and he said he'd be in contact when he intended to do no such thing. The guy immediately turned sullen and bitter about it but made no avert move, just again mumbling to himself, always in his own little world when things went poorly. Zeke did throw him a bone though, and he gave him the most common alias he used when visiting clubs, and asked, So what's your name? I'm, I'm Jeff. Come back soon. I really love this bar. And with that, Zeke left the bar, and headed home for the evening, not intending to ever come back. At least, not while this guy was in. Everything about this guy that just said that he was possessive and clingy, and just the way he stared. That's something that Zeke always emphasized. The stare. The creepy glare that said so much as having someone out of sight just for a moment made him paranoid. And boy howdy, did Zeke feel relieved later on when he then realized what had almost happened, who he almost went home with. You see, years later, seeing that same guy but older, he was arrested for the most heinous of crimes. And that, Zeke always says when he finished the story, that is how I almost went home with Jeffrey Dahmer. My name is Emma. I'm 17 years old, 
and I suffered with anxiety, and I didn't really get to interact with people as I lived a very sheltered life and was homeschooled. When my parents thought I was old and mature enough, they sent me to college. I enjoyed walking to college and coming back, though I really wanted to have my own free time outside my house. So one day I decided to tell my parents that I wouldn't be back until 8pm. Of course, that was a lie. Once again, I don't really know how to interact with people, and I have no friends. When I was walking home, I came across a man, and he was very muscular. And this was stupid of me to do, but I just stood there in shock, looking at him. When he noticed me staring, he walked up to me, bent down up to my ear, then saying, Hey, you're cute. I became even more stunned, and no words could come out of my mouth. He gently put his hand on my arm with an amazing tight grip, and he walked me up to a corner of the building. And to make it even worse, there were a few people there, mostly on their phones. He then started to grope me from behind. I was so scared and I almost couldn't believe how bold he was. I eventually built up the strength to kick him in the dick and then run for it. When I came back home, both of my parents noticed how scared and out of breath I was. I told them what happened, and at once they phoned the police. I gave all the details on how he looked and what road we were on. The police still haven't found him, and my dad started to drive me to college. I'm really scared of being alone, even when trying to sleep. I'm a woman. When I was a sophomore in college and about 19 years old, I was dating a woman who lived a couple of streets off campus in a studio apartment. The apartment was pretty nice and was in a building that had a locked main entrance glass door. One night we were walking home from a bar to her apartment and we were holding hands. The streets were pretty empty as the night was over and most people had gone home. As we were walking home, we noticed a man probably in his 30s wearing jeans, a dark sweatshirt, and a beanie. He was keeping pace with us, probably about 30 feet behind us. Now, it wasn't immediately concerning because we were walking on a main street. We assumed he was simply just walking in the same direction. We noticed, however, that he was starting to walk faster, getting closer to us with each step. Without speaking, my girlfriend and I looked at each other and immediately stopped holding hands because we didn't know what his motive was. We were about one block from her apartment at this point, and he's still getting closer to us. We didn't want him to know where she lived by continuing to walk home, but we had no other options. Everything was closed around us, and we didn't really have anywhere else to go. So we just started walking really fast towards her apartment, hoping we made it there before he could grab us. He was getting closer and closer with each step. We finally made it to the long glass door that was the entrance to her apartment building. My girlfriend unlocked the door and we slipped inside, but the guy was right behind us. And as we closed the door behind us, he grabbed it with his hand to stop it from closing. So, imagine me and my girlfriend inside the building, 
The man outside on the other side of the glass door, with his hand wrapped around the edge of the door, preventing it from closing and locking. My girlfriend shoved the door closed, pushing his hand out of the way, and we kind of just stood there for a second, on either side of this locked glass door, us looking at him, and him looking at us. After about a second or two, he just walked away. My girlfriend and I just ran to her apartment and locked the door, and we just laid in bed and cried. Thankfully, nothing physically actually happened to us that night, but that event was still absolutely traumatizing. I think about it a lot, even though this happened eight years ago. I was 19 in a university. I got a job on campus working front desk for one of the advising buildings. There was a janitor in that building that was very friendly and would talk to everyone. We'll call him Jesus. He was six foot three and probably about 250 pounds. The janitorial staff in my college were all a part of a program that gets special needs adult jobs. I'm not sure exactly what special needs he had, but you could tell he had trouble processing social cues. Otherwise, he was pretty normal. Like I said, he talked to everyone, so I didn't think it was strange when he started talking to me every time I was in the building. However, after a few months, I started to notice him talking to other people less and less and zeroing in on me. A few of my coworkers told me that Jesus had asked them about me, asking where I was if I wasn't at the desk. And stupidly, one of my coworkers would tell him where I was and when I'd be back, so he learned my work schedule. Then, Jesus started making comments about me to my coworkers. Like, I like Rebecca. She's a skinny blonde, and I like skinny blondes. No one really thought this was weird because they knew he had special needs. And everyone just gave him a pass, saying he's just friendly. But I was freaked out by it. If I ever left the desk to go do something else in the building, he would ask where I was and come try and find me. One time I was in the copy room making copies. This room had one door and a skidding window next to it. I was facing away from the door making the copies, and when I finished, I turned around to find Jesus standing at the window, watching me. Now, as a 5'3", 110 pounds girl, this was really scary. I mean, I told my boss all about his behavior, but I was dismissed a lot, being told he's just friendly and that he really likes to talk to people. Well, it all came to a head when I was working a later shift one day. I got off at 6 p.m. while the advisors and the other people in the building left at 4.30. I was alone in the building, but this didn't really bother me because I knew that Jesus got off at 3. However, once 6 rolled around and I was packing up my things to leave, here comes Jesus strolling up to my desk. He positioned himself between me and the way to the exit so I couldn't leave. He started talking to me. I don't remember what about anymore, and I was so scared. This was a huge man who I knew had an infatuation with me, standing between me and my exit with no one around to help me. I was panicking, 
trying to think of some way to get by him and out the door, but I was coming up short. I just tried to keep him talking. I thanked the Lord that the one woman who worked upstairs decided to stay late that day and then came down the stairs at that very moment. She noticed the situation was off and immediately offered to walk with me home. She asked me which way I went to walk home, to which Jesus responded by telling her the route that I usually walk home. I thanked her numerous times afterwards for getting me out of that situation. Who knows what could have happened? And before people start shaming me because they had special needs, don't. It made it even scarier, honestly, because it was clear he didn't understand what was appropriate behavior and what wasn't. Who knows what he would have thought was appropriate in that situation or what he had intended to do by staying three hours to wait for me to be alone in the building. He didn't drive, so he had to arrange for someone to pick him up three hours later than normal. He had clearly thought this through. Thankfully, with the support of that female co-worker, we finally got a move to a different building on campus. I didn't see him again after that, and I thank my lucky stars that he's now in a building away from the students on campus. I wasn't the first student he became obsessed with, and if he stayed in my building, I'm sure I wouldn't have been the last. My name is Jasmine. I'm currently a senior, but this took place during my first year and sophomore year of college. I attend a historically all-women college. Coming to campus, I didn't know anyone, so I was randomly assigned a roommate, and that's where I met Erin. At first, I thought it was great. My college is predominantly a white institution, and I'm West Indian, and Erin is Asian, but was adopted from China by two white moms. Aaron and I were the only students of color roommate pairing in our whole house. We kicked it off pretty well soon enough, and we did everything together. Going to trashy parties, venturing off campus, and just eating all our meals together. I would even say we were best friends. However, I soon realized later just how clinging and obsessive Aaron could be. Since I want to uphold some form of confidentiality, I won't go into details, but Aaron had multiple mental illnesses diagnosed which could factor into their behavior, but that does not justify their actions. At first, it was just small things, like leaving random gifts and food. Then the clinginess started to escalate. Now, I rarely ever went on dates, but anytime I did go on them, Aaron would never leave the room. They would watch my date and I make out until I had to plead with them to leave the room. Anytime I was not in the room, they would constantly call and text until I responded. Despite not understanding personal boundaries, I begrudgingly agreed to be roommates with them for our sophomore year. One evening, I came back to our room a little later than usual, and Aaron had voiced being concerned about me. They went on to recite my schedule saying where and what times my classes ended, how after the class they knew that I would be in the library and when I would get dinner. I was always alarmed that they had my schedule all the way down to the timestamps. Aaron started to interject themselves in all my friendships as well. 
They even slept with some of my friends from a neighboring college. Some of my friends joked that Aaron had a crush on me, and that's why they would get so jealous of me hanging out with other people. I had multiple conversations reassuring Aaron we were still friends, but they needed to respect my boundaries and try to understand that we don't have to hang out 24-7. Every time I did this, they would break down crying. I mean snot running down their nose, face red, and streams of tears type of crying. Aaron would say that since they were adopted, they have abandonment issues, and that eventually everyone leaves them. I think it was the emotional baggage that made me stay in the friendship that long. Why I ignored the stalking behavior. I never saw Aaron as dangerous or a threat, that is, until we had gone to an off-campus party and they were drunk. A week previously, they had hooked up with a guy on this campus and he had ghosted them. Using a Snapchat map, Aaron was trying to track down his dorm. It was around 1am pitch black on a foreign campus that was heavily wooded. I was trying to convince Aaron to come with me on the last bus back to our campus, but in an oddly cool manner, they looked at me and told me to leave them. They would not leave the campus until they talked to him. My friends who were from that campus said they would look for Aaron, so I left. On the bus ride back, Aaron sends me a Snapchat message of a photo with a black screen. Seeing the extent that they would go to to get in contact with someone made it apparent that I no longer wanted to associate myself with them. So I started distancing myself from Aaron. I was only in the room to sleep. I had made new friends where Aaron could not be a part of it, but that resulted in even more of them having sobbing tantrums. I came back to the room and Aaron casually asked, How did you like playing with the cat? I was confused because I hadn't seen a cat. When Aaron said that one of my friends on Instagram had posted a picture of us playing with a cat. Yeah, living with Aaron became unbearable. It felt as if they were always watching me, tracking me on my snap map, watching my friend's stories to see where I am, and memorizing my schedule. I had requested a room change, but it was too late in the semester to change rooms. I had applied for a campus job that would guarantee a single room. Once I got the job, I had told Aaron I was moving. I turned off my location on Snap Map. My friends blocked them on social media. And when I was finally moving, I refused to tell them where I was moving to. I knew that they would show up anytime they wanted. The day I had packed up and moved out, they were sobbing the worst than I had ever seen. They just kept repeating, Tell me where you're moving. I can help you move. When the pandemic happened, we were all sent home. I had returned to campus spring 21, and I didn't know if Aaron had also returned. I remember panicking anytime I saw anyone who had the same hairstyle or the same height. Aaron drives a green car, and anytime I see a green car, my heart would stop. The next semester, when everyone got to come back, it was to my horror that Aaron lives across the street from me. I'm always looking over my shoulder, hoping they don't find out where I am. Despite all this, I'm only now writing this because Aaron made new friends, and one of them reached out, saying they were also scared for their safety. I'm just ready to graduate so I never have to see them again.